0: Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe, presented by Coop Works. We are recording this on Wednesday, May 18th, which means we were recording this the morning following the NBA Draft Lottery, where the Thunder received the clarity that it had been looking for all along, learning where they will be selecting in the 2022 NBA Draft this yeah,
1: June. Yeah, there's a three-step process here, and the first step is figuring out where you're actually gonna draft. And so the Thunder got the number two pick, jumped up from number four to number two, and then held steady at the 12th pick, the, the one that they got from the LA Clippers. Now the next two parts of the process here are actually making the selections, you right. know, figuring out whether they're going to pick at two and 12, how they're gonna deploy those assets. And then once they get the guys into the building, into Oklahoma City, they've gotta develop these players. Right. There's so much that happens after the draft. Michael, you, you know this, it's where you get drafted, ultimately matters way less than what you do on the practice court.
2: That's right. You know, and, and for a lot of guys, what you saw last night and for me too, you know, it was a lot of this. You know, I'm <laughs> still trying to like calm my nerves because it, it's such a moment where you realize that so much is at stake. Mm-hmm. And up until last night, so much was left to chance. Right. And now all of a sudden that's been removed and and you can have a sign of relief. I I mean it's it's just a wonderful um I, I love the way the the new draft lottery is. It's gotten better and better over the years, but there was still a lot of anxiety for me because I, I knew, you know, there was a lot at stake for all the yeah. you know clubs that were in that where there were in those top twelve picks I felt or like, fourteen. I felt like Deputy Commissioner Mark. Tatum was ripping
1: off those team names I so know, fast I was I like know. I couldn't
2: keep up yeah, I know. <laughs> you're right that's a great point because when he kept you know I was like going, okay slow it down slow it down yeah. my, my anxiety has to catch up with you at some point Because the faster like, <laughs> you read the more nervous I get I was standing up sitting down standing up sitting down and then when they went to commercial break with, for the final 14 I was like
1: hallelujah that, took, yeah.
2: that seemed like that took forever for me because I was like going man Mark has worn me out with how fast he went but you know and, and obviously it was a great night Yeah. You know. Great night for Thunder Basketball. Great night Mm -hmm. for, you know, uh, really, I was happy for the way the NBA put it together. Yeah. And they made it really like an event that uh, I think it was very transparent. Yes. And a lot of teams uh, were really there. You know, seeing Nick Collison, that was cool, man. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he was, I tell you one thing, Nick, you were cool. You were lot <laughs> <yeah>. cooler <laughs> than me. because yeah. When I realized, we, you know, we were going to be in the Final Four, man, I was like, like ready to break dance in the <laughs> living room. And Nick was just sitting there, you know. Well, I'll you tell know. you what, Mike, it is
0: so great that we have you and your perspective on this podcast because That's exactly how a lot of us were feeling back here in Oklahoma City. But a brief rundown of the events of what happened and took place in McCormick Place Convention Center in Chicago. For the first time since 2009, Sam Presti was actually in the drawing room where the ping pong balls were being shuffled and and drawn to determine the order of operations for June's draft. So that was happening in a completely different room. He was sequestered from everybody else along with other team representatives in the lottery. And then on stage representing the Thunder, like you said, Mike, was Nick Collison. And it was so interesting getting a chance to talk to Mike, or not Mike Presty, Sam Presti before, <laughs> Sam Presty before the draft lottery, because Nick, you asked him, how are you feeling? Yeah. Because this is, this is a kind of a new opportunity for the Thunder and Sam was actually gonna be in the room, in person. How's he feeling? I love his answer. He channeled his inner Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. <laughs> he said... No horse named Morbid has ever won a race. Yeah,
1: I think it was a great perspective. Just look, when you have no control, yes. you just let go and enjoy the ride. And the Thunder did that last year, ended up with the six pick and on its face, dropped down two slots that seemed like, oh man, this is you know a bad outcome on lottery night. Come draft night, though, Mike, I'd say getting Josh Giddy at number six was a great outcome. And so, you know, the odds, the, the the tables get turned here. This time, the Thunder jumps up two slots to number two. The point is, as Sam is saying, you had no control over this part. You can't take credit for this part. All we have to do is play the cards that we have in front of us from, from here on out, and we got to play them really well.
2: Yeah. I think it just really kind of sets the stage for next month. Yeah. And, I, I mean, everybody... I don't know what's bigger anticipation for an athlete, the draft lottery or the draft itself. But for the draft lottery, I mean, it really just, you know, opens up and makes things a little bit more clear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think, for players and also for organizations moving forward. OK, we we, we we got this now. We knew we had number 12. Right. But now we got number two. And that says a lot, And especially in terms of the homework that you have to do. And I have to give teams credit. There's a lot of work that goes into trying to figure out what's the next move from this day forward. But last night really, really cleared the air. Mm-hmm. And I think allowed, you know, especially Thunder fans and and Big Thunder. I'm a Thunder fan, too, because I not only I work for the organization, I'm a Thunder fan. And I want to see, you know, us continue on, you know, the, the, the level that we're at. And to see things fall into place the way they did last night, that was really good.
0: And, Mike, we're going to definitely tap into your experience from a player perspective on what draft lottery night and the pre-draft process was like for you. But you hit on something that we should definitely talk about, and that's what happens now, right? Right. The Thunder has the clarity it's been looking for. It knows where it will be selecting in the draft. It has a really strong cachet of picks in June now what? And the answer is, and has always been, roll up those sleeves and get to it.
1: Absolutely. You know, you have 17 first round picks over the next five years, including three in this upcoming draft. So these are assets to deploy in however Mm -hmm. way the Thunder sees fit. You know, it's not, what's going to happen from here on out is the Thunder is going to try to identify players that are going to fit with the long-term vision of the organization that want to be a part of a team that is building and rising in Oklahoma City. And so if there's somebody at two that that meets that bill, then great. They also have the option to move up, move back, move to future years. I mean, there's everything on the table when you have this level of flexibility with Mm -hmm. your draft capital and draft assets. And so what we know is that Sam Presti, this front office, they are going to work so hard So hard. at number two. Now they're going to have access to every player that they could want to have access to in terms of pre-draft workouts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that sometimes that can be political and right. whatnot, but when you're at two, you got what you need to get in terms <laughs> yes. of having access to these guys. And they're going to unturn every rock. And I think they're going to have a, a wealth of data and film to assess mm-hmm. on how the team played this past year, recognizing that much of, the, the improvement that we're going to see next season is going to come from the guys that are currently on the roster already. So, how do you get somebody that's going to fit and mesh with this style of play that the Thunder has been honing and really improved upon throughout the course of the season?
2: And I think, you know, you're right. This is really where you roll up your sleeves. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the work really begins today because, you know, unlike last year where you had the six pick. And you probably knew certain players weren't going to be around at six spots. So that was, all right, I'm not going to bother with that guy, you know, because I know he won't be around at six. But when you have the number two spot, I think, Nick, you brought up a good point. It just opens up everything because, you know, I've seen stranger things happen. One guy taken should have, you know, everybody's talking about he should be one. Or he should be three and he doesn't, he's not one, he's three. Right. Or three is two, or two is one. So really I, I think from, you know, this day, this is really a I think the part of the business where a lot of the minds that have been around a long time, like Sam Sam Pressy and his staff and, and and the analytics really start to come into play mm-hmm. as you start to put everything on the table. What fits our organization? Right. what's really you know the 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 key cog that's going to help us continue to move along this smooth well-oiled machine even though you know we were the youngest team in the league last year and we're probably going to get younger this year that's okay because you got these assets you got these really valuable commodities from which you can pull from not just a, a short pool going from six on back the whole draft now you know you start to evaluate everything and i think that's where You know, you start to really appreciate the work of the Thunder organization and how good they are at developing their young talent.
1: There are two quick sentences that Sam said that I wanted to just reiterate here to kind of wrap everybody's mind around the, the Thunder's mindset heading into this next stretch between now and the draft. Assess the results. Respond. Have a plan with discipline, rationality, and persistence.
0: And the Thunder has been doing that for a long time. Even before this, this was their process for the the entire time they've been in Oklahoma City. It is approach things with rationality, persistence, and discipline, Mm -hmm. and good things will turn out in your favor because of that. And I think Sam has said this before, luck favors the persistent. That's right. And so it's always been about putting in the work, and that's why... A large portion of the current Thunder roster is in Oklahoma City putting in the work on the hardwood right now, getting ready for next season because it's going to take everybody, not just the front office, not just the coaching staff, not just the prospects, but the guys that are actually on this roster right now. Everybody's got to be pulling in the same direction, and that's exactly what they're doing. We're going to dive into the player perspective on this from our very own Michael Cage, but we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: Coop Lworks is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99-calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com.
2: Happy for the fans. Uh, happy for the city. Um, you know, it's, it's exciting and happy for the people in the organization. Like I said, we got a really good... Uh, coaches, front office staff, support staff and so everybody works really hard every single season and and to be able to you know have some good fortune tonight and and uh, get a player that's going to be good for us is exciting.
0: All right, now let's dive into what this is like from a player perspective and helping us with that is the one and only Michael Cage, who has been a player himself. Now, this is interesting, Cage, and I I want you to be able to explain this to to the listeners, but you were the 14th overall pick in 1984, that coveted 1984 draft. That was the year before the lottery began. So explain what it was like from your perspective and during that time leading up to the draft.
2: Well, you know, first of all, I didn't have the draft lottery. We know that. Yeah. And that that would have really helped me a lot had I been able to have the advantage of just having people talk about me prior to the draft and yeah. say, this is where yeah. cage may possibly fall. So when I was in school and I would finished my senior <laughs> year, the anxiety was, was at DEFCON 5 <laughs> for, you know, for a... Two months after I had left school because, you know, we just didn't have an indication of what was going to happen because uh, I, this is what I like about what's happening now is the big buildup. So for me personally, I was just still on campus, uh, still with no money in my pockets, you know, and still thinking about. Is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. I don't hear anybody talking about me. I don't <laughs> hear anybody saying anything. I'm reading Street and Smith magazine trying to look for my name <laughs> as, a possible- wow. magazine. That's a as a possible candidate. You know, because I had no idea. And so when it finally got closer to the draft in June, um, agents started calling me. Says, "Hey, we're getting indications from these teams that you might be a first-round pick." Not yeah. a lottery pick, okay? I was yeah. okay, well, I, I'm cool with that. But they wouldn't tell me anything. They had nothing to, to, to give besides you could possibly be a first-round pick. Now, what happened for me was about a week before the draft, I started getting these calls from teams, like asking me, hey, uh, Michael, well, how would you feel about our organization? I'm going – I would feel whatever way you want me to You're feel. You're an right. NBA team, right? Yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right? You're in the NBA, right? Yeah, yeah I feel good. Now. I was like going, give me more, man, because yeah. I've been in the dark here, yeah. you know, for weeks and months. And, and then finally, you know, what happened was um, the day of the draft, everybody started calling. And I was in my coach's office, and they started calling and said, hey, Michael – Everybody's asking about you all of a sudden. It went from zero to 60 that wow. fast. Mm. And, and of course, when the draft eventually happened, I was a lottery pick, and I was really excited about it because it was a heavy draft like this year's draft. Yep. I mean, we're talking Olajuwon went first. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember Portland passed up on Michael Jordan and right. to, chose Sam Bowie? And then the list just went on and on. You know, uh, Charles Barkley, Sam Perkins, the names just kept dropping. Kevin Willis, yeah. John Stockton. He, heck, John Stockton was two picks behind me. Wow. You know, that's how thick that draft was. So it was really, you know, a nerve wracking moment for me for quite a while. But at the same time, I I knew I had a chance to get in there and I knew it was gonna happen.
1: What was the reaction? kind of among players and teams. And what was the, the talk the next year when the lottery was instituted? Because that was a brand new thing, had never been done before in the NBA. What do you remember about that time period?
2: I was like going, man, this could have saved me a lot of future gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into it because I was like, well, this is great. I mean, yeah. to, to watch guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, the balls fall. And, and, and be. of course, it was a lot different back then because, you know, it was just straight pretty much. You know, whoever had the worst record right. had the most balls, and it kind of was figured yeah. that way to, yeah. to try to get you the best draft pick. Right. But I thought that was cool. And then to watch how they've improved on it over the years so that the team that had the worst record doesn't end up with, you know, the eighth pick, mm-hmm. you know. And I really like the percentages of how they've done it. And it's, you know, it's really, well, you know, progressed into a point where. It really helps the teams that need help. Definitely.
1: It, it helps to know you can only fall so far. And you can only jump so f- you, know, you can jump to, to the top four, but you can only fall to you know eight in the Thunder's case this year.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really important. And I think for teams that uh, there are a lot of teams that, that I think the league is trying to help. In that regards, mm-hmm. and also teams that want to go the process of rebuilding through the draft. Right. I think there's there's a couple of ways you can rebuild. You can get the quick rebuild through free agency. You can get the, the rebuild through just being good over the years and, st- and, and your guys staying with your organization, right. which doesn't always happen that way. And then there's the draft. And, yeah. and especially when you have teams that have assets over the years, they can really plan ahead and and really put together what I would call a sustainable roster for their organization, their fans.
1: And, and in a city like Oklahoma City, in a market um, that isn't sort of one of these glamour markets in Miami and New York and Los Angeles, building through the draft is the best of, the, of all available options.
2: I agree. And then what I think for organizations like the Thunder that make it really um, known throughout the league how they value the players, their mm-hmm. family. There's a lot of other things, I think, go into that when young guys come into this organization or even veteran players that have come here via free agency because the Thunder have been able to compete with those LA markets at times and, and New York and Miami markets. But when you look at when players get here, young players, that transition, man, it is so easy here because they become a part of the community. They become a part uh, of the process. Mm-hmm. And 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 really the way the organization it's not a cater; it's more or less a necessity to help players transition from outside the country into another country, from college to pros, uh, from a G League to the NBA, which is completely different worlds. Right. Mm-hmm. You know that transition is here, and it's been proven, it's been tested, and it's and it's it's actually working.
0: That's a really good point you make, and something that you touched on earlier, where the draft lottery and the draft are just two touch points for an organization, Mm -hmm. especially just for the Thunder throughout the season to improve your team. So, Michael, for you, talk about that transition from college to the NBA and what was necessary for you throughout that time, your first season and in the lead up to your first season to make sure you were ready to contribute when you got there.
2: Well, I tell you, it was about, you know, when I was eventually drafted, you know, the 14th pick by the uh, L.A. Clippers. um, All I got was a phone call. You need to get an apartment in L.A. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? We just moved up to LA. I go, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, going, oh, but but I was drafted as a San Diego Clipper. Right. I just left school here at San Diego State.
1: It was looking real sweet for I, you, Mike. Yeah. It was very convenient. It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I
2: was like, <laughs> Can I commute? Can I stay here? <laughs> no, I don't, that'd be a long drive for you to go up for the games and practices. Right. Right. So, you know, I had all of a sudden, you know, it was off to the races for me. You know, going from, even though I went from one big market. San Diego to another big market, L.A., it was still very difficult. Mm -hmm. It was still very difficult for me to adjust to life away from campus, uh, not, you know, feeling like I was connected to something. Yeah. And I think that's what really helps players here in Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. is you immediately becomes connected. Yep. To a family. Yep. And, and and it's and it's and it's like it's it's really available to you. Those resources weren't available to me, mm-hmm. so I had to really kind of uh, like you know kind of like going camping. I was dry camping for a while. There. <laughs> I, it was like oh well, man, whatever you can give me, I'll survive. But but eventually, I can't wait for the season to start because that that that's the real NBA, right? And and so you know I got through it, and and you know when I eventually played my first preseason game or my first practice. Um, just the, the the feeling of knowing that I had made it and had gotten to a point where basketball Lawson, you know about basketball. You you know you play college basketball. All the practicing you can do, all the the weight training, all the running, it could not lead you. To where you you want to be, your dream of playing in the Olympics, your dream of playing professional basketball. You know, despite you you know you deserve it just as much as anybody else. The numbers are so low right. that get there. So you start to understand that it's a business, mm-hmm. and you yeah. prepare your mind for it. And so I I quickly prepared my mind just as much as I prepared my body for that first year in the NBA.
0: And things clearly worked out pretty well for you. Had a really great career throughout your time in the NBA. And I just think it's so interesting hearing about that you were the last draft before the lottery and how different things would have been for you and your emotions <laughs> yeah. had you had some idea of where you might have landed. Well,
2: I tell you this, and, I, you know, it was up until that point, that was all we knew. And I used to watch every draft from the time I can remember because my father would sit me on his knee and say, come on, son, you know, I'm seven years old. Let's watch the draft. You know, it's 1971, and I'm watching, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks draft uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and yeah. I'm like going, okay, Dad, that's the guy with the hook shot, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's the hook shot, you know. And then the next year, he's, you know, and the next year. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to, to finally get, you know, to that point where uh, you realize that, you're a part of that draft, and you're a part of this 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 special brotherhood mm-hmm. of players, and you're connected to this historical, wonderful league that reaches out to the entire world, not just athletically, but community-wise. You realize that you you know you realize that you contribute, and you're a part of this big you know entity called the NBA, and and that's where the really fun part of it becomes, because you realize now you get to give back. Right. To the community. And that was really important to me.
1: And that's something that Nick Collison, who represented the Thunder, talked about up in Chicago after the lottery was what a great night this was for Oklahoma City, not just because of the outcome, but because of the clarity and because right. of just the understanding of where they'll be. We saw parties, lottery parties all over the city. We saw yeah. mm-hmm. you know people celebrating just knowing that not only is there going to be you know guys that are coming in to the NBA and getting to live out their dream, but they're going to get to do that in Oklahoma City, and they're going to get to be a part of this Thunder family that has a plan for them. And it isn't a plan that's just being dictated at them. It's one that they're all working on together, and as we've seen with some of these other young Thunder players, they sort of are able to take more and more autonomy over that plan as their years go along. So it's a really nice symbiotic relationship that makes guys – Want to be invested right. in this community, which is why the the fans are so excited here.
2: Well, the Thunder brand is very strong, and I, I found that out last night because when uh, they announced the Oklahoma City Thunder have a number two pick in the draft, all of a sudden I started getting these Texas yeah. <laughs> and phone because I'm going to stop calling me. I'm, I'm I'm trying to take it all in too, and and, and I realized I said I looked at to this morning. I looked at some of the Texas that I got from friends around the country and and around the world. Some of them reached out to me. Until like 2019, the <laughs> night our game got canceled in yeah. the pre-pandemic, yeah. I was like going, "Okay, so you are following us. Yeah. You just don't reach out to me." <laughs> but that's that's the Thunder brand, right. you know, right. and that's how you know people really recognize yes. and follow the Thunder because they they were watching that you know you yeah. know historical night last night.
0: Right, yeah. and there is a lot to be excited about. Once again, the Thunder will be selecting officially at number two. 12, 30, and 34 in June's draft. And we will have you covered on OKCThunder.com and at OKCThunder on all social channels. Be sure to stay tuned here to TBU for all updates of that. Michael, thank you so much for your your perspective and your opinion on this podcast. But before we let you go... It's time to bless your timeline, and speaking of Thunder family, this Thunder family just got a little bit bigger, because our very own Nick Gallo just welcomed a baby boy into the world, and Gallo, we're so excited for you. We're so happy for you. Thank you, Ferris. Papa Gallo. Yep.
1: Uh, Leo Gallo was born on Wednesday of last week, and so obviously um, my wife Maddie and I and our daughter Camelia and our dog Heidi are very, very excited. Um, Everyone's been swarming Leo and (laughs) not really giving him his personal space but that's okay (laughs) um but my my wife maddie absolute warrior uh she's a champion so um very very grateful that everybody is um happy and healthy and we got another um thunder fan in the the mix here
2: nick i I got a question okay what was what was the difference between when camille was born and Leo was born because she was born during the height of the pandemic. Yeah, endemic. it's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, my anxiety levels were the biggest difference. Yeah. You know, being the first time dad, I had to go, I had to sa, I had to do all sorts of things with Camellia. And um, with Leo, it was kind of like the the nurse came in and was like, okay, we're ready to push. And Maddie and I were like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We've seen this movie, and, we yeah. how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> You're a So, now. yeah, no, it's, it's great. And it's, there's, Michael, you know, yeah. there is nothing like bringing your baby home for the first time. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, your house just feels absolutely silent. Ah, when you question. first bring point? the baby in, you put him put him in the in the bassinet. I remember with Camelia, we had about an hour where she was quiet and then she never stopped screaming <laughs> yeah. and talking after that. But Leo, you know, we brought him in and he just peacefully sleeping that yeah. first day. It doesn't last good for point. very long. So right. you cherish and hold on <laughs> to every moment that you have uh, of just that uh beautiful precious little baby but um i'm enjoying dad life part two uh just this past weekend maddie took a picture of me i was standing out in our backyard I had Camellia under one arm. I had Leo on the other arm. And it's just like, like I was carrying the, all the groceries in that I could possibly carry. But um, it's an amazing feeling. Well, congratulations. So, congratulations.
0: Yep. And for all of you watching, this is the first time we've seen Gallo since Leo was born. Yeah. So we are so excited that you were able to join on this podcast today. Thank yeah. you for being here. And we're so happy for you, Leo, Maddie, and Camellia, and Heidi, of it- course. <laughs> <laughs> but that is all for today's podcast. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop, and to our special guest, Michael Cage. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.